Well, we're turning again to uh, that scripture that we read together in Habakkuk. And we're going to continue to read into the second chapter here. Habakkuk in chapter 2. I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not uprightness in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Yea, also because he transgresseth by wine, he is a proud man, neither keepeth at home, who enlargeth his desire as hell, and is as death and cannot be satisfied, but gathereth unto him all nations, and heapeth unto him all people. Shall not all these take up a parable against him, and a taunting proverb against him, and say, Woe to him that increaseth that which is not his? How long? And to him that ladeth himself with a thick clay, shall they not rise up and suddenly, rise up suddenly that shall bite thee, and awake that shall vex thee, and thou shalt be for booties unto them? Because thou hast spoiled many nations, all the remnant of the people shall spoil thee. Because of men's blood, and for the violence of the land, of the city, and of all that dwell therein. Woe to him that coveteth an evil covetousness to his house, that he may set his nest on high, that he may be delivered from the power of evil. Thou hast consulted shame to thy house by cutting off many people, and hast sinned against thy soul. For the stone shall cry out of the wall, and the beam of the timber shall answer it. Woe to him that buildeth a town with blood, and establisheth a city by iniquity. Behold, is it not of the Lord of hosts that the people shall labor in the very fire, and the people shall weary themselves for very vanity? For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, as the waters cover the sea. Woe unto him that giveth his neighbor drink, that putteth thy bottle to him, and makest him drunken also, that thou mayst look on their nakedness. Thou art filled with shame for glory. Drink thou also, and let thy foreskin be uncovered. The cup of the Lord's right hand shall be turned unto thee, and shameful spewing shall be on thy glory. For the violence of Lebanon shall cover thee, and the spoil of beasts which made them afraid because of men's blood, and for the violence of the land, of the city, and of all that dwell therein. What profiteth the graven image that the maker thereof hath graven it? the molten image and a teacher of lies, that the maker of his work trusteth therein to make dumb idols. Woe unto him that saith to the wood, Awake, to the dumb stone, Arise, it shall teach. Behold, it is laid over with gold and silver, and there is no breath at all in the midst of it. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. Amen. We give thanks again for the reading of God's word. 
Let's just take a moment to ask the Lord's help as we consider together today. Our Father, we come before thee, we thank thee that thou art in thy holy temple, and Lord, we thank thee that thy glory covers the earth. And though men uh, seek to turn their eyes from it, and will say unto the rocks and to the mountains, cover us and hide us, and Lord, nevertheless, thy glory is here, and the birds of the air take shelter in that tree which thou hast planted. Lord, we thank thee that even uh, those who stand against thee stand against thee because thou art. And Lord, we thank thee that thou art uh, revealed unto men. We pray, our Father, that we also might shine as lights. And we pray, Father, that thou wouldst encourage us in thy way. Bless our souls. We ask thee in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to take the third verse here uh, of chapter 2 as a text and perhaps the fourth uh, with it. Uh, we will make a mention of it at least uh, just at the end. Uh, so Habakkuk and chapter 2 and verse 3 and 4. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. So we have these words and they seem to be somewhat contradictory, don't they? Because uh, we have these words saying, though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. So though it tarry, wait for it, it will not tarry. But of course, there is no contradiction here. And the scripture, indeed, which many have uh, cast the aspersion upon it to say that there are contradictions in it, has no contradictions. Uh, there are reasons why things are said. And we find that normally those who uh, seek to set up such uh, positions against the scripture have never actually read the scripture and certainly uh, do not uh, seek to find the answers uh, which will answer them <clears throat> so they just look at it superficially and they take the first thing that comes into their heads but here of course what is being said is that the vision is for an appointed time and that time is not yet it will tarry but the lord says when it does come it will not tarry when it begins it will work swiftly and there will be no tarrying there at all so uh, it is for us we have a time to wait a wait to wait for uh, the lord's time to wait for uh, the uh, coming of the lord uh, his second coming and there are things which are to occur upon this earth for which we must wait but we see how quickly things do actually occur in the providences of god uh, we think of those 400 or so years between the Old Testament and the New. And nothing, it seems, was revealed in that time. The Lord was silent. Uh, there were things going on, of course. The Lord was making many preparations at that time through the days of Alexander and uh, the, the, the Greeks, the dispersion of the Jews, the Ptolemies and the Seleucids, and uh, all of the things which were occurring, but with no open vision. And then suddenly comes upon the world that 
announcement by the angels from heaven concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Suddenly, God begins to work. It has tarried for those 400 years, it is tarried. And then suddenly, an angel comes, speaks to Zacharias in the temple that he will have a son, shall call his name John. And uh, within a, a short time, the angel appears to Mary and says, You will have a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And in that short time, these things come to pass. And even in the life of the Lord Jesus, just those 33 or so years that the Lord Jesus was upon the face of the earth, and his ministry for just three years or three and a half years, uh, perhaps it was, uh, in that time, a short time, it didn't tarry, it was swift. It came across the, the whole land of Israel in those few short years. And then it seemed it was finished again, this mighty revelation of God. But of course, the work continued. And not only the works that Jesus did, but greater works uh, did those who follow him do. Greater in the sense that Jesus was not sent but that unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. While the disciples were sent forth unto Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Uh, they took the gospel message not just to the lost sheep of the house of Israel but to the Gentiles. These were greater works than Jesus did while he was upon the face of the earth. And those works continue of course. So here we have uh, these words then that the Lord gives to Habakkuk. Now Habakkuk uh, was a man who lived in the days of the uh, declension of Israel, the time when Israel had departed from the Lord, they had taken up idolatry, uh, they had followed their own purposes, and that seems to be what men always uh, resort to in the end. Uh, they go back to that uh, unclean nature, that fallen nature, and they begin to make things which teach what they want to be taught. And they will flock together to hear whatever tickles their ears. And these were the things that happened in the days of Habakkuk. And the Lord had revealed to Habakkuk that there was going to be a judgment. And that the judgment would come by the Chaldeans. And indeed, of course, we read in other of the prophets, and many of the prophets were in this era, uh, that the Chaldeans would come. We read in Isaiah, of course, we read in the, uh, in the historical books too of how that Sennacherib came and how the people were taken away into captivity. Uh, we read there of Ezra after that captivity, uh, of Daniel, of the 70 years of Jeremiah and all of those things which occurred because the Lord was going to judge the land. And Habakkuk is here before that judgment comes. And he sees it coming and he has visions of the things that will happen and which will come upon the land. And he cries out that the Lord would deliver them. Uh, the Lord would ordain them for judgment. Chapter 1 and verse 12. Art thou not from everlasting, O Lord my God, mine Holy One? We shall not die, O Lord, thou hast ordained them for judgment. And O mighty God, thou hast established them for correction. And of course, a lot of this book is about the, the Chaldeans and their corruption. And uh, Habakkuk is amazed, and perhaps we're amazed in a similar way in this day, uh, day and age, that corruption surrounds us, and, uh, and people are quite happy with corruption, but they don't seek after righteousness, and they don't seek after godliness. 
They're quite happy uh, to join in with that corruption. But they don't want everything to be righteous and to be just and to be good. Uh, And we see again how that uh, in verse 4 of chapter 1, Therefore the law is slapped, and judgment doth doth never go forth. For the wicked doth compass about the righteous. Therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. And we've seen this so often. In fact, uh, in my margin I have there for the word wrong, perverted judgment proceedeth. And we see that perverted judgment around us. So here we have a a text then which applies to our day uh, as much as it did in the days of Habakkuk. But I want to consider with you, first of all, the reason that we must wait as Habakkuk was to wait Uh, for the lord says there in verse three for the vision is yet for an appointed time the vision is yet for an appointed time why is it for an appointed time well because first of all because the lord's time is best because the lord has his eye upon the whole of Uh, time and because he has his eye upon the end as well as the beginning and everything that must occur in between because the lord knows every individual and he knows where all of us must be and he knows those who are his and those who are given to christ and those who will be redeemed how they will be redeemed all of the interactions that will be between people uh, from one place to another and all of these things are to occur in god's purpose heard a, a tremendous uh, illustration i thought it was a tremendous illustration anyway i don't know if you've uh, seen children sometimes uh, we used to have this for our children uh, which is like a bouncy chair that goes into the doorway and you fix it on the uh, on the lintel of the door and uh, it has uh, like elastic ropes and you put your baby in it and the baby can just about reach the floor and it can bounce in that chair up and down up and down up and down and the child loves to do this and has its freedom feels that it's free but of course the parent can go away and leave the child bouncing in the chair because although the child thinks itself to be free it is re- restrained by the chair and in the doorway it can't get away from there it can't fall it can't hurt itself it is just bouncing up and down as happy as can be because of its freedom because it's not bound because it's not laid down because it can't get out of a cot or out of a, a push chair or whatever else it is. it is free and the world is like this the lord has his hand upon all and there are many uh, atheists and, uh, and agnostics and, uh, and uh, people who, who put their trust in what they term science, which used to mean knowledge, but now, I don't know, some kind of a, um, a deity to many. Uh, and uh, they put their trust in all these and they say, we are free, we're free. And they bounce up and down in their chair in the doorframe. And God has his hand upon them and they cannot go anywhere else, but they don't realize it. They're free as far as they are concerned. But the Lord's time is best. He has an appointed time for his blessing. Remember Sarah, who was visited at the time appointed. How the Lord uh, said to Abraham, uh, at the appointed time, Sarah will have a son. And it was an appointed time. It was very late, wasn't it? Though it tarry, wait for it. It was very late in her life. It had ceased to be, the scripture says, uh, in her, the way of women. 
And yet, nevertheless, she has Isaac, and Isaac is born miraculously. And the Lord is able to do things. Uh, it may seem that these things are impossible. But there is nothing impossible with God. Doesn't God say exactly that to Abraham? Is anything impossible to the Lord? And then, of course, the Lord's time is best because it is the appointed time for salvation. Uh, there is an appointed time. Behold, now, uh, the scripture says, is the appointed time. But for each individual, there is an appointed time. And the Lord looks upon them. There is an appointed time, too, for the coming of Christ. We read in Daniel 8, verse 19, and he said, Behold, I will make thee know what shall be in the last end of the indignation. For at the time appointed, the end shall be. At the time appointed. And God knows what that time is. And we are told that there are none other that know what that time is. No, not the Son, Jesus said, but the Father only. The time appointed. Then we read uh, also concerning this that there is often much for the Lord to do. We, we think about that time, that, that time between the last prophecy of Malachi and the opening up of the, of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those 400 or so years. What happened in those years? Well, of course, there was a dispersion of the Jews because of the persecutions that were in Israel under Alexander and uh, particularly under the, the Ptolemies and Seleucids. Uh, the, such persecutions that many people uh, fled from Israel and went to other parts of the world. Uh, they went into Greece uh, in, in particular and the, and the uh, Greek Empire of the time of, of uh, Alexander. And what did they do? Well, they set up synagogues and they took the word of God with them and they made preparation and they didn't even know they were making preparation. All they were doing was taking their scriptures with them. And yet in the days of the apostles, as they go out into the world with the gospel, the synagogues were there. And where did Paul go when he went in to Ephesus or when he went into Philippi? He went to the synagogue. Because the synagogue was already there. God had set up and prepared things beforehand. They were all in place. And so when the apostles go out, they can go to these places and they are able to proclaim Jesus Christ. And the Gentiles, as well as the Jews, many of the proselytes who had joined uh, Judaism were touched by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, there is often much that the Lord must do first. But how may we assist him? Well, we may assist, first of all, by not quenching the Spirit of God. Uh, we uh, are to be open to what the Lord would have us to do, to be a part of that work. Uh, we would stir up the gift of God, which is in us, that we might be lights in this world. We can all be a part of this work that the Lord will use. And let us yield ourselves, therefore, to him. And then we think also the reason why we must wait is because the Lord is long-suffering. The Lord is long-suffering. We find that the children of Israel were not to go into the promised land immediately. Uh, that they were in Egypt for a long time because the, the sins of the Amorites were not yet full. Those are the terms which the Lord uses. The sins of the Amorites are not yet full. And so in his long-suffering... He allows the world to go on in its own way. And then suddenly the judgment will come. Think of the, uh, the thousands of years before the flood of Noah. 
and all the earth was corrupted. And men had corrupted their way, and violence filled the earth, and the Lord had done nothing. And then all of a sudden, Noah is spoken to by the Lord. And after those 120 years, you wonder why it takes such a long time. But the Lord is long-suffering. And Noah was a preacher of righteousness. And he preached for that time. And he told them of what was coming. And no one would believe him until he entered into the ark. And then the flood came, swept them all away, and destroyed all from the face of the earth that were not with Noah. And the Lord is long-suffering. Psalm 86 verse 15 says, But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and plenteous in mercy and truth. There is not one who will stand before God and say, But Lord, you are, you are too hasty with me. The Lord will say, Well, you had your opportunity. I suffered long with you, but you rejected me. Again, we read, uh, or we uh, consider the reason we must wait because the Lord is patient. The Lord is patient. And not just long suffering, long suffering, of course, is suffering long, but the Lord is patient. A time is nothing to Him. A thousand years is but a day. A day is a thousand years. He's not interested in, in, in what the time is or how long it takes. But he will do that which is right and that which is perfect. In 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9 we read, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to, the, to repentance. Some have taken this verse to say uh, that God is not willing that any should perish, and therefore all will be saved. Uh, that is their universalism. Uh, they think that all men will be saved in the end because God is not willing that any should perish. But again, they don't read the scripture. They don't read the scripture and comprehend what it's saying. Uh, and they just take a verse out of context to, to support their view, which they have already decided on. But what does it actually say here? The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward. Not willing that any should perish. He is long suffering to the elect. He is long suffering to his people. He is waiting and he will wait until the very last person who is to be saved is saved. Whenever that may be, whether it be this year, whether it be in a century, whether it be in another millennium, there is none that will be lost, save as Jesus says, the son of perdition, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. Of them which thou gavest me, I have lost none. God is patient. The reason we must wait. So let's just trust in the Lord. And if we have to wait, then we have to wait. But let us do and be found doing when the Lord returns. Secondly, the recommendation to wait. It says, though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Though it tarry, wait for it. Wait for the blessing. Remember uh, that the disciples themselves had to wait for the blessing. The Lord Jesus said to them, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Wait there and wait until the power comes. It will come, but you have to wait for it. 
And sometimes we are, we are just too hasty. Uh, we, uh, we consider the Lord to be slack concerning his promise. When the Lord says, wait for it. Well, what are we here to do? What, what was it that the disciples were doing while they were waiting for the promise of the Holy Ghost to come upon them? They were gathered together and they were in prayer and they sought the Lord. They weren't idle. They were about the Lord's work. And they were calling upon the name of the Lord when the Holy Ghost fell upon them and there were cloven tongues like as a fire which sat upon them. And they began to speak with the tongues of the nations to whom they were to go. And here was this great sign that time had come that the Lord had called his house a house of prayer for all nations. The promises which were to Abraham that he would be a blessing to all the nations of the earth. Now the time had come and they had to wait and they still had to wait a little bit longer. Jesus had come. He had died upon the cross. He had been raised from the dead. He had walked amongst them uh, for those 40 days after his resurrection. They had had fellowship with him and now he had departed from them in that physical form that they could look upon. But still they had to wait and the Lord says, wait. Just wait, it will come. And then on the 50th day, the day of Pentecost, then the Spirit of God comes upon them. Everything in its time, everything in God's purpose. And when it comes, it will not tarry. Immediately, here they are, filled with the Holy Ghost. They go out to the people of Pentecost on that day of Pentecost and they preach the gospel and they heard them preaching in their own tongues. Why? Because they were to go out into all the world and preach the gospel. And yet their language, uh, most of them anyway, uh, would have been Hebrew to start off with, or Aramaic. And there were no doubt many amongst them who could speak Greek and others who could speak Latin. But now they were speaking dialects. And remember what it speaks there in that uh, chapter of Acts of the different languages and dialects which the apostles were able to speak the apostle paul says i thank god that i speak in tongues more than you all some say these are heavenly languages and that paul would pray in in heavenly languages and the languages of angels but he went to all these places and he was able to speak to them in their own tongues it's not some magical thing some mystical thing but the languages of the world that the lord gave so the recommendation was to wait. And there is a waiting for salvation. I bring near my righteousness. It shall not be far off. And my salvation shall not tarry. And I will place salvation in Zion for Israel my glory. You see the salvation of God is coming. And sometimes we have to wait long for it. I've heard some who have prayed for family. And prayed for friends for many 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 years. And some even which came to Christ after the death of the person who was praying for them. Nevertheless, it came. In chapter 3 here, of, uh, in chapter 3 of Lamentations, verse 26, it is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. And then, of course, for the coming of Christ. In our day, 
in, in, in Habakkuk's day, of course, they were waiting not only for that judgment to fall upon them and for them to be carried away, but the waiting, as Daniel uh, found in the book of Jeremiah, in the writings of Jeremiah, for those 70 years to be over that they might return. And uh, Daniel prayed that that time might come, and the Lord brought it in his day. And, he's in, uh, and Ezra and Nehemiah, of course, uh, recalled going back there uh, and the rebuilding of a, of a temple and so on. But we are waiting for the coming of Christ. We are waiting for his second coming. We are waiting for that day of judgment when Christ will be revealed. And we will see then just how far the kingdom of Christ spreads it is not a kingdom just which will come in that day. There is already a kingdom. Christ is our king. And the kingdom spreads across the world in all the nations of the earth. Even in places where people think there are no Christians. There, Nevertheless, the kingdom is there too. In places of persecution, in places of war, in places in the farthest reaches of the earth. Even there is spread forth the kingdom of Christ. And in that day, it will be lightened up and we will see our brothers and sisters whom we have never met. We will meet together with them on that day and our king shall be revealed. Wait on the Lord, keep his way and he shall exalt thee to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. And the Lord says in Zephaniah 3 and verse 8, Therefore wait ye upon me, saith the Lord, until the day that I rise up to the prey. For my determination is to gather the nations that I may assemble the kingdoms to pour upon them mine indignation, even all my fierce anger. For all the earth shall be devoured with the fire of my jealousy. The judgment will come. And in here in, in Habakkuk, we find that, that uh, even the Chaldeans themselves who uh, begin to be the the, the people of God, they're actually termed that way in the fact that he uses them as an instrument to judge Israel. But then after they have done that, uh, they say to themselves, well, it is our own strength. We have done this by ourselves. And they begin to worship uh, that which uh, has been given to them as a tool, just like the net which is spoken of here, the dragnet and so on. And because they have these things, uh, they say that, that, that they begin to worship that which they have, worship their own power, worship their own armies, worship their own capabilities. Do not the nations all do this same thing? And then finally, our resolve while we wait. The just shall live by his faith. We are looking unto the king. We are looking unto him who does all things after the counsel of his own will, a God who we have seen his power in our own lives, in our transformations uh, from death unto life, in our uh, blessings which we have uh, observed in our own lives, of prayers that we have seen answered, of encouragements and of revelations, all that the Lord has given to us. And we are to have a resolve while we wait, for we walk not by sight, but we walk by faith. Now the Lord is with us. And though we cannot see where his kingdom stretches, nevertheless it stretches. And every now and again we come across some part of the tendrils of that great tree which spreads across the face of the earth. 
I mentioned it in prayer today. The Lord speaks about the grain of mustard seed, which is planted in the earth, becomes a chief of the of the herbs, a tree, and the birds of the air lodge in the branches thereof. When we think about all of the different systems which are in this world, the philosophies which are in this world, and you go back and see how many of them came out of Christianity. The rejection of Christianity often, arguments against Christianity. I think even of the great religions of the world uh, who uh, stand against Christianity, Islam, which is uh, so uh, prevalent in these days. But if there was no Christianity, Islam would have no foundation upon which to stand. It is a bird which lodges in the, tr- in the branches of the truth. And uh, so are the philosophies of men. You think of the, uh, the works of Nietzsche and, uh, and the like and how they sprang up out of Christianity. And the foundation is all in God, even those who stand against God. Remember that great sermon by Jonathan Edwards, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And Jonathan Edwards speaks about how the Lord holds even those who rail against him in his hand, and they don't even realize it. We thank God that we walk by faith, and we are looking unto him. In Acts 17 and verse 31, to finish, we read, Because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given, given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. We're looking to the Lord Jesus Christ, to our Father in heaven, to that great day of resurrection. Whatsoever may come upon us or upon this earth, we know this. That God is in the heavens, that God is in his holy temple. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. He continues so to do. And in that day, when the revelation of Jesus Christ is made to all of the earth, then we shall know the vindication of God, and then we shall have the joy that we so greatly desire in the midst of the iniquity of the earth in these days. May the Lord bless us as we walk by faith. Let us take up the scriptures and read them, hide them in our hearts and rejoice in Christ. Rejoice in Christ. Sometimes people don't find much of, a, uh, of an encouragement in the scripture because it doesn't give to them what they want physically. It doesn't promise them to make them rich. It doesn't promise them to make them healthy. It doesn't promise them all of the things that we want after this world's good. But when we look unto Jesus, then we are encouraged To see the Lord who overcame all, who is raised from the dead, who is at the right hand of the Father, the right hand of majesty, who maketh intercession for us, who cannot be overcome, and we are held by him. And none is able to pluck us out of his hand. There is the blessing. So let us glorify God and walk by faith. May the Lord bless these thoughts to our souls.